Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. This is episode one of my brand new series called Baz Faces True All-Stars, where I talk to a person who has an interesting story. My first guest, I'm really, really, really chuffed about this. this I've pulled this out of the bag, really. I have a lady called Rhea, who's born and raised in Northamptonshire. She currently resides in Bedfordshire, and she ran for parliament is that right yeah that's correct yeah this isn't a political podcast we just we're going to ask we, we're going to get to know Rhea a bit Baz Faces True All-Stars let's start with the most important question you're in your mid-30s five years ago you ran for uh, you, you wanted to be the local MP yeah. Um, most important question, what did you have for dinner tonight? <laughs> um, tonight was particularly bad, actually, because I was running late from work. Um, so I scoffed a Burger King, which is so bad. You're going to have to but drill good. down into those details. Are we t- <laughs> Let me guess, was it beef or chicken? It was beef. Did you go Whopper? I went Whopper. I mean, it's Burger King. How can you not do a Whopper? See, I'm more of a bacon double XL at Burger King. Even well, though it drops to the very bottom of your stomach very quickly. Oh, I know. I, I kind of regretted it almost immediately. But then I wasn't too certain of that regret. So I had to have several more bites and finish it off just to be certain. And then I realised, yeah, I shouldn't have eaten that. But Okay. What are you going to do? <laughs> what, be- what beverage are you having with that? <laughs> um, I'm currently having a Coca-Cola. Insight into my life when I'm rushed and tired. Well, you know, it's just like, for instance, um, I was preparing a jacket potato with a side of salmon. That's good. And then my wife said, wouldn't you prefer burgers? And I went, you know what? And then we basically had a Mickey D's. Yeah. We've got salmon <laughs> Best intentions. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. This so, happened. I had a lovely chicken salad for lunch and I felt really pleased with myself. Yeah. So I rewarded myself with a burger. How many times <laughs> do you start a diet in like, say in the space of a month, how many times would you say, do you know what, I'm going to eat healthily? You know what, I, I don't massively do that, mostly because I know I fail every time. Like diets don't really work for me. Okay. I just, I keep having the, I either... Stop for ages, which is what I did. And then only recently I've started going back to the gym and started having nice vegetable stir fries. And But this week I've been a bit off the bandwagon. Okay. I've just sort of jumped, yeah, fallen off a little bit. Um, but it's only bit, so I was trying to get a bit healthier because lockdown, lockdown is terrible. I've put on nearly a stone in lockdown. That's, uh, that's I think that's the norm. People talk, talk about the new normal and it's just like clothes a bit. I haven't seen a pair of skinny jeans in a shop window in like in forever. Um, I can't, I put on a pair of jeans for the first time in, I think it was two months. And I was like, oh my goodness. Because I've been wearing elasticated waists. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And everyone also forgot that comfy clothes existed until lockdown happened. And everyone's like, why have we not been doing this sooner? Like, why do we bother wearing restricted clothes? I know. I, I think the whole world has, has sort of gotten onto the fact that we don't have to be so uptight, down to the yeah. point where work has gone. Do you know what? You don't need to come in. Just just work <laughs> from home. Sure. But it Take kind away of, that commute. You stay yeah. at home. Yeah. They, they, they say um, 
well, think of all the money you're saving on petrol. And you're like, but my electricity bill is <laughs> through the roof because <laughs> everybody's home and everything is on. <laughs> you know, we weren't too bad at first um, during lockdown. We were kind of living the dream because we were cooking every day. I mm. planted all of my courgettes and stuff and they started growing. So I was like, look at me with my strawberries and my courgettes and my squashes my potatoes and I was like yes we can live off the land and who needs the real world and I can work from home everything's great and then it sort of once it stopped being sunny for a bit oh yeah and I was learning new recipes I was cooking more um mm. I was like yes I can totally be a chef and then um yeah slowly got back into the intensity of the daily rhythm but then just doing it at home and you know it goes out the window and now look at me I've put on nearly a stone and yeah I've got nothing to show for it I'm not going to comment on what you look like or you wait Thanks. simply because Thanks. this is literally the first time I've ever met you. <laughs> um, I don't know what you look like beforehand. Um, I think you look okay. Oh, I mean, okay. I mean, most people aspire to look okay. That's generally the, the, words, that's the benchmark. <laughs> I'm, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to stick with okay. My wife's actually. Okay. Your partner's probably around. If I start, you know, with... <laughs> with uh with more elaborate describing words it's gonna get messy yeah yeah let's move on the point is it's no, not necessarily hold on a second thing. hold on a okay. second you said you grow your own vegetables yeah now are you one of these people <laughs> that if you grow a batch of vegetables you then give it to somebody and go these are from my garden well um i had um last year i had a bumper crop of courgettes and the year before that as well. So all of the neighbors got courgettes. I'd literally go and knock on their door and give them a, like two courgettes and they felt obliged to accept them. Yeah. Whether they wanted them or not. Um, Do you so, know how that's received when people give you vegetables? Oh, don't tell me. Do people not like and that? Like, and like people go, oh, here's some, some runner beans. And it's like, oh, here's some tomatoes. It's like, great. Thank you for saving me 60p. <laughs> Out of my weekly grocery shop. But it, but it tastes better. Does it? Yeah, well, uh, courgettes don't really taste as much. So I can't give them as an example, but my potatoes tasted better. Okay. My I'll carrots do... were a disaster, so I don't know about those. Okay, if you're growing your own spuds, then, you know, spuds you can, you know, are you, are you kind of adding anything into the mix when you're growing potatoes? Are you sort of injecting them with Guinness or anything? Or... <laughs> Oh, now you're putting my growing skills to shame. I've literally gone plain. I've just I just made that up. Yeah, but maybe I should be experimenting. Like if you're going to all this effort, maybe I should, you know, feed them something special so they can come out like cider carrots or something and <laughs> rosemary potatoes pre yeah. pre marinated because I grow oh yeah, imagine if you grow potatoes and planted a rosemary bush on top, what would that do? That would, would the roots the infuse? See, that's that's got roast dinner do, do you know what that's got lamb yeah like yeah. A, yeah we've this is we've gone back to food we've gone <laughs> full circle to food i started out by saying yeah hey you're this yeah. uh interesting character who ran for a uh, parliament seat in her local yeah. constituency and we just yeah. looped on food but we just went straight to the important stuff yeah 
<laughs> let's talk about food you know it's, it's funny though I'll, I'll get us back on track because when um when i stood for parliament it was amazing how many people offer you food um because it's either a thing you gather around to socialize some people will offer you food um as part of their like hospitality gift when they welcome you into your home mm. and um have you ever do you ever watch the vicar of dibley I'm aware. I'm aware of it. I've watched a couple of episodes. Okay. Well, there's this episode where Dawn French, as Vicar of Dibley, um, is going around at Christmas, and she gets invited into everybody's home, and everybody wants her to have Christmas dinner with her. So she has about four or five Christmas dinners, and there were quite a few times when I was going around on the campaign trail, and I was meeting all these wonderful people, and they'd invite me into their home, and I go. We haven't had lunch yet. We were waiting for you to arrive. And that would be like at 12 o'clock. Or like we haven't had a brunch. So I'd eat that. Then I'd go right half an hour, talk to them. And then I'd move on to, to another house. And they go, right, well, we've been saving lunch for you. Half 12, you eat that. And then I remember once, <laughs> the worst day. It was brilliant. I'd met so many people. And then I'd finished with some of the campaign team in the evening who had invited their um, people from their community and their network around as well. And it was 10 o'clock at night. And I thought, there's no way anyone's going to want me to eat dinner because I've just eaten about three dinners already and it's 10 o'clock at night. But no, they'd all been waiting. So so when I arrived, so I arrived at 10 o'clock at night to have this meet and greet with all these people. <laughs> and they were like, great, now we can eat dinner. And it was a whole massive spread of beautiful Indian food, which I love. And I was just there, I was like, I am so full up, but it's also so tasty. I'm like, okay. So yeah, I had like four dinners that night. So you were really rocking that celebrity lifestyle, if you think about it. <laughs> no, no, and I compare it to, now was this in, in, a, in a town that's very close to where I live, which is Desborough? Oh yeah, Desborough's part of the constituency, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to state now, I, I'm not from Desborough, I just live here. Okay. So I was a DJ in Kettering. I remember, <laughs> I remember going into a perfume shop and the people behind the counter cottoned on now, bearing in mind, like a DJ, I'm playing other people's records, uh, beat matching for a couple of hours a night on weekend nights. I have a crowd and then everybody goes clubbing. Yeah. Some people stay yeah. behind. But I got the most embarrassingly high preferential. Like they were giving me samples. They, they, nice. did they were giving me samples. And then somebody behind me said, are you giving out samples? And they went, no. <laughs> and I had literally, a, literally, I could have started my own sample shop. Wow. So that is impressive. Is that something, I mean, do you like to, to, did you like sort of getting in amongst, and I know that's kind of what you're aspiring to do, but did you find any of that a little surreal? Just kind um, of being the guest of honour everywhere. Yeah, that, that was really bizarre and I didn't um, didn't expect that at first, especially as it wasn't a key seat and it wasn't a seat that most people thought we had a chance of winning. I mean, we did we did really well on the campaign um, and we met thousands of people and we, we really ran a good campaign, but um, it's not like I was running against a high profile MP that it was gonna be a close call and all the media attention was on it or anything. Um, so yeah, but I think what's interesting with people is that they um they just they want to to give love almost you know and they want to give mm. their time and their energy and and when there's somebody who 
is willing to listen and who think you know who they think maybe can help and help change things for the better but people naturally treat you slightly differently um often by the point of like you know you turn up to someone's house and you thought it was just a quick cup of cup of tea and biscuits with them to talk about how their application for housing hadn't gone through properly or mm. whatever and then you walk into the room and there's 15 people there and they're all dying to ask you questions you're like oh okay okay and, and actually it's because people had a need whereas you on the other hand that was more of a celebrity thing where people were just like oh my god he's a bit famous you know he, he's he's in the club i know this guy he's on a stage and he's, he's controlling a room with his music you know that, that's very different and no one gave me free samples of things but literally the rubbishest celebrity ever like <laughs> so i'm sure that's not true yeah no it is ask anyone Baz faces true all-stars just to go back to that time you would have been approaching 30 just about 30 oh you know what yeah so i know i turned 30 because i was a parliamentary candidate and i took a day off to have my birthday mm. um with my family How dare you? i know i know so um when you i think to be honest like most people when, when you commit to a project or you commit to a campaign um and i still had a full-time job so it was quite difficult um you, you generally spend all your annual leave and all of your weekends and all of your evenings working, campaigning, responding to emails, um, drafting letters, designing leaflets and all the rest of it. And um, I always forget how old I was. And then I remember I did have my 30th birthday because my sister made uh, a birthday cake for me. And I thought it was odd, um, but just before my birthday, she said, Ria, what are the things that you like? She said, obviously I know you like the Labour Party, uh, but name other things. And I just jokingly said, other parties are available. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and she said, uh, as I said, oh, kittens, puppies and rainbows. So that was just like a general generic answer. Yeah. And so then um, out comes my birthday cake in front of everybody uh, on my birthday. And it was, it had um, uh, little figurines out made out of icing of kittens, puppies and rainbows. But also, um, she had printed out a picture of Ed Miliband's face and put love hearts all around it to symbolise the, the Labour Party <laughs> and gave that to me. She said, these are all the things that you love. And I was, happy birthday. I was like, you are so adorable. The most literal cake ever. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I sent that to um, Ed Miliband's team. And I was like, this is what my sister's just made for me. So with, with the name drop there, well done. Um, it's clear that well, you, I don't know him very well, no, <laughs> but still sent him cake. Like that's, that's like you know, <laughs> like this is it, what my sister did. Yeah, yeah. If somebody yeah. sent me cake, I get it tested in a lab. Um, <laughs> Ed Miliband. So, so clearly you were part of the British National Party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that floats my boat. I mean, their policies are so broad and diverse, really well thought out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so clearly you you were running. And campaigning to uh, for for Labour. Mm. Now I'm uh, I'm not going to share my political views. Um, I'm not going to endorse you, and I'm not going to go against you. I'm not that interested in it. I'm interested in you. However, yep. Where yep. I was going with with the age was um, so you were thirty. You were in this arena, which is would you say dominated by men? Yeah, mm. yeah, I would. Yeah. Uh, but, but as candidates, yeah, candidates and councillors and MPs. But also, I remember getting wind of your trail, and I was like, oh, "I recognise the surname." 
Um, and I was like, how are you going to do this? Like, who is who is going to vote for the 30-year-old blonde woman who looks younger? And it wasn't like, like you know, I know many people who would have given you a vote. Um, mm-hmm. But I just thought in this area, in in that time, did, did that ever occur to you? Like, did you ever get? A, did you ever get a sense of, hang on a second, how am I really going to sway this? Mm. You know, it it was interesting because there were a couple of factors at play, and actually, this has happened every time I've stood for something, mm. whether it was standing at president for to become student union president, whether it was putting my name forward to just be selected as a candidate in the local council elections, mm. and whether it was then putting my name forward to become a parliamentary candidate. Um, the, the two things that come up uh, often are being female, one yeah. thing. So the standard that we have for women seems to be higher than it does for men. Yeah. Um, and then my age. And what was interesting is how many people thought I was like early 20s um, and also seemed to equate age and exper- age with experience. So Absolutely. if you were somebody who was in your 40s and 50s, you must therefore be experienced and you must therefore be a skilled um ambassador and diplomat and you must therefore be completely knowledgeable of the world and be incredibly wise and yet you young person who may have studied lots of academia you may have had lots of life experience but none of none of that is really real because you're young so you couldn't possibly have understood all the things that happened to you in your life and and you couldn't possibly know how to represent people yeah and would 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 you say which is obviously the wrong thing i mean you know and you know, if everybody was as broad-minded as us, we'd know, you know, do you know what? It's the content of somebody's character, their intentions. Uh, you know, it's like when, when I, I, I was fascinated that you were running because I thought, well, I know that you, you were kind of, you know, university educated. I knew that you were kind of go-getter. And I thought, I, you know, why wouldn't you? Like, I didn't think anything of it. And then I just thought, mm. but the average person... What are they going to think? Um, yeah. So how close were you? Because I remember um, reading result and, and thinking that, you know, that's got, a, I'm gutted. And, and I was gutted for you because I kind of, like like we said before, um, mm. before we started recording, I, I kind of know you by proxy. So I was gutted for you for that. But how close were you? What to winning? Yeah. So, um in the end, not very close, which was really disappointing, actually. Oh, no. um, it, w- it was a really interesting time. So when you look at um, local elections, they're often based on um, partly what party you stand for and partly um, your state in the community. What's interesting is when you run a national campaign, so when you're standing for a national seat in government, um, it, it is very much about what's happening nationally. And it was... It was really difficult because whenever I, whenever me and the team that we did debates and we did meets and greets, actually would get a lot of support. Mm. Um, so the exposure thing was a challenge because I wanted to meet as many people as possible um, because I knew that actually I'd get good amount of support when actually people spoke to me. Um, but the biggest thing was um, the feedback we have, which is constantly uh, nationally, they either didn't like our leader or they thought immigration was an issue and they couldn't trust Labour on immigration. Mm. And and that's a really difficult thing because you're trying to stand up for something where you know you're you're standing for your community because you want to represent your community and you want to um, 
represent their their views you want to stand up for their interests you want to make Kettering better um, and get the right investment for it get the right homes in the right place you want to do all these things um, and and yet you can't because there are bigger powers at play that seem to just sort of throw it all back in your face um, pretty quickly so you know when, when I was getting selected for standing as, as a candidate that's where I was getting a lot of the the comments about age and being female but actually once we got into the campaign trail and we were talking saying some people were meeting me that that really sort of went out the window yeah. and actually the bigger problems was trying to overcome some of the national the national trends that were happening um okay. but yeah it's good but it's my point sorry that I was trying to make was um it's difficult to not take it all really personally when you when you put so much of your effort and your team as well like you feel massively like you've let down your team when you don't get the result you want because you're putting all of this energy in you're really yeah. leading a campaign people who you've never met before have volunteered and donated their money donated their time and and then yet every, everything you do no matter how right you think you are and no matter how good you know you are and how much integrity you have uh people can virtually slam the door in your face and just go oh i don't like your leader or oh I don't like your policy on immigration or whatever, I, something that they've heard, you know, you go. Yeah. I remember um, when, when you were part of that, um, I was like, I want to help you with your social media creation. But I just, I hadn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't like go, hi, I'm such and such. I know your sister. Um, it was <laughs> just, just like, like, okay. Go away, like security. <laughs> um, yeah. So, that's re that's really weird that, that you did have a lot of people invested in you and they do get and i'm sure they didn't hold you in a negative light i think you know you all tried something it didn't come off you just pick yourself up and you dust yourselves down um mm. so would you try again oh absolutely absolutely i said to my partner that um we would take a step back because i think the thing when you run and this is what's interesting actually about um running for public office that I think a lot of people don't realize is that you're just a member of the public who has decided that they want to try and do something to change society you know why everyone gets really angry at what the, mm. what the government's doing or they think oh they're all the same all the MPs are all the same well there are some of us who want to do something about that and want to change it so you're just a member of the public you usually have a job you usually have a family and responsibilities um and when you commit to, to standing in an in election there are several years and they've run up to getting selected mm. and there's several years of actually leading a campaign and you spend all your annual leave um just campaigning you spend a lot of your money um on petrol driving to places buying the right outfits to make sure you can go to all of the various events and charity fundraisers and things mm. um and and you don't see your family a lot and so i said um Next time I run, I will make sure I've achieved some of the things that I wanted to achieve in my career. I would have traveled the world a bit more yeah. whilst I can, and I will have saved up a bit of a war chest. So next time I go, it won't be so financially difficult. Right. I'll have a, a pot. So uh, I'm currently in that plan at the moment and soon, hopefully, um, I'll go back into it. This is the amazing thing because, um, and, and this, this kind of transposes to to I guess a lot of uh, folk who uh, they have a brand and they kind of sit on social media and they go why isn't anybody or they kind of I, I get this a lot 
I'll open my inbox and it's like, check out my new song. And it's like, no, hello. Um, there's, there's no effort. Um, there's no, and it's like, well, to get yourself out there, you do need to spend a bit of money. Um, you need to spend money on marketing. You need to go places in, in case of sort of artists as well. You need to either, you know, do gigs or you need mm. to throw up exhibitions or, or whatnot. And, and you, you did that you did it the right way which which is uh, another reason why i find you fascinating this so let's go back a little bit um when did you when was that moment where you said right that's it i'm gonna run like what was was it like a the straw has broken the camel's back or was it just a case of do you know what i think i can do this um where were so you? I, where were <laughs> where, you? When where, it, what was the precise moment? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was never um, a light bulb moment per se. So I think um, so I've always had this sense that um, I've wanted to stand up for people. So I, I really hate bullies. Mm. And bullies to me are people who either abuse their position um, at the expense of others or people who keep knowledge for themselves and lord it over other people mm-hmm. um and, and i hate that i really hate that and growing up i saw various people um and i'm talking like my late teens where i started seeing a lot of this happen um where i felt like there were those two people who were fairly articulate and intelligent and had a position of power or authority and they were just abusing that state to get what they wanted against people who were kind of confused because maybe they didn't understand the systems and the processes or you know maybe they weren't particularly enlightened about how um, government works and things like that so they would just trust these people would go along with it and then walk away and feel like they've been hard done by but you couldn't didn't know why yeah. and I saw a lot of this and uh, that always bothered me so I know I went to university um, I started to get involved in my halls and was elected as a president there just to represent our group and then did you insist that they called you um, madam president actually it was el presidente oh el wow presidente. yeah yeah no <laughs> of course i didn't like i don't do that i'm vulnerable like <laughs> i was like el presidente <laughs> isn't that a mexican restaurant no anyway uh, <laughs> just think, yeah. um and i'll have but no I, sh- I missed an opportunity i, sh- I should have insisted that they called me. That was an awesome title. When am I yeah. ever going to get that opportunity again? Like they'll be like, Rio, and you'll be like, uh, El Presidente. And I'll be like, I'm sorry, there's no Rio here. There's only El Presidente. Yeah, um, I possibly may need to cut out that bit where I said it sounded like a Mexican restaurant. Well, in case there is a Mexican restaurant and I don't want to be associated with this. Here's the thing with Mexicans. Yeah. Right. I feel like you shouldn't finish that sentence. No, oh, I will. I will. <laughs> with no, no, it's, it's not. It, do you know what? Sorry, I rephrased. Here's the thing with Mexico. Okay. Now, we obviously, we're in England. Yeah. We know what Mexico, if you say Mexico, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there are some people who go, oh, yes, last, last year I went to Mexico. And it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. However, there are no Mexicans here. Yeah, there's no benefit to you saying Mexico. Just say Mexico. Say the British pronunciation 
unless you're in the presence of Mexicans. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is, why do people feel the need to go Mexico? Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh, Mexico. I don't know why that bugs me. Why does it? I don't know. I don't know why it bugs me. Like, um, it's just like, I, I know where, I, it's like people who say, um, what are you going to have for dinner? Both bourguignon. Beef stew. <laughs> so, so when news readers are talking about another country and they name the city and they say it with the accent for that city, like the pronunciation for it, do you get annoyed at them? Or is it just... I've, I've never, I've never, I've never been aware of it. So I guess when you're re reporting on the news, I, I guess there's some context there. So you kind of you kind of go you, no like no nobody um, argues with a newsreader. Yeah, everybody that's respects true. a newsreader. So whatever they that say, like, okay, that's cool. Um, it's it's the people who are like people who go they really love coffee, but they drink Nescafe. Like it's those <laughs> so you sound a bit like a snob, <laughs> like a coffee. I'm snob. not a snob. Be like okay. It's it's not it's not snobbery. No, because I'm attacking snobs. What? No, hang on. Are you though? Yeah, because um, <laughs> it, it's people who kind of go, I am this certain way because, but their reasons are rubbish. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I'm well spoken because I said Mexico. So actually, I, you had me at Mexico. Well, what what if they're just trying hard because they're trying to respect the other cultures? Maybe they're not trying to impress. Maybe they're trying to be respectful. Okay. And maybe the problem is you. The, you so, have you have an issue with. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. It's my people issue. who can pronounce different places. Can you do you struggle with pronunciations on things? And no, maybe no. that's like deep down, there's like a level where you're like, I wish I could do this, but I can't. And that's no, where you're at all. No, because I can do it. Um, oh, I, right. I just I just think it's like, why did you make that extra effort? Like you could have yeah. just said, make, because it was a deliberate attempt to say, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. So two things. <laughs> I know yeah. it's my problem. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Second thing, I'm just airing it. This is this is. You're I'm just, telling you. I was just I feel. playing devil's advocate. That's yeah. all I was doing. I, I I'm just kind of putting it out there to see if point number one, it really is just my problem, and I think <laughs> what I've learned. Yeah. Don't tangle with a politician. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just merely, merely putting another perspective on it. Often when all. I speak to people, I will win this type of conversation. Oh, I, okay. Like the tiger got out of the cage, I apologise. <laughs> we hit a nerve. I don't know how we hit the nerve, but we got there somehow. You said and, you don't like yeah. bullies. I then oh. went on a kind you, of... You don't like people who pronounce things with an accent. And I went on a comedy tangent. It doesn't really oh. bother me. It's just a, it's a bit. Okay. Um, so, we, so anyway, so... I you, missed that. I El Presidente, a Mexican restaurant that sells nachos. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're totally distracting me now. Anyway, so, yeah. Madam President is what I should have... We should have gone with that, and then we wouldn't have gone off on a tangent. It was El Presidente. Yeah. I apologise. It's been a long day. You know, it has. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> right. So you were at university <laughs> and you... <laughs> oh, yeah. 
elected oh, president you were... of your halls of residence <laughs> yes halls of residence yes yeah and then i got elected as the rep of all the presidents of the halls and then i went and campaigned and became the president of uh the guild of students which is the ultimate student union and then i became a governor of the university at that time which was good but um i i didn't I hadn't actually considered ever taking it a step further until the end of that presidency where like that position for a year when i just thought i'm doing all these things and standing up for people and doing all this and i should probably put a line in the sand and say where my my politics are mm. um so i joined the party and then started getting more involved came home to my hometown and um i'm not ashamed to say that i tried to become the parliamentary candidate for northampton north um and um i didn't get elected which was annoying <laughs> well, selected wait so um, northampton because... north is that like that's not like dustin and kingsthorpe it's like molten molten um, spinny and Vinny, I think that comes up part of it. Yeah, because there's the Eastern District and then... Yeah, I used to be an estate um, agent for a bit, so I kind of... Oh, okay. Just, so you, just in my own knowledge. I have no interest yeah. in what Northampton North is. So Northampton yeah. North, yeah? Yeah. And then, um, because I, I, mean, I grew up in Moulton, but actually Moulton used to be part of the constituency in Kettering, so there was a time where I was yeah. was over there. But um, so yeah, I did that. Um, and it was a bit like a baptism of fire, you know, somebody who was completely wet behind the ears, who joined a party and was like, yes, I want to go and represent people in, in Parliament and mm. um, very quickly realising that people spend years and years of their life just trying to get selected, let alone elected. Yeah. Um, so I did, uh, I had a really good mentor um, who helped me on this journey and um, I met some friends along the way who I met through the Labour Party and they coached me into public speaking. They helped me really define my politics on what i believe and what i think and what values i hold as a person because mm. you know you can have an opinion on a policy you, know, you can have an opinion on whether or not we should bomb another country or whatever but fundamentally whatever comes up in the world you're guided by your values so you really need to know them when when you want to stand mm. uh, but anyway so yeah so they coached me and helped me and then um then the wonderful seat in kettering came up for selection and I stood and they were happy to have me and they elected me um, to be their candidate. And um, I went on from there. And now I'm just taking a, a little little break whilst I focus on my career. And I'm studying a master's in law in my spare time whilst I work full time. And I'm just knackered now. <laughs> so I'm just tired all the time. You, you're, like so a, that's it. you're like a casual high achiever. <laughs> just, just casually. casually yeah, just, yeah. And then um, I'm thinking about rewriting the Bible um <laughs> no it's uh, do you know and uh, uh, yeah uh, okay you know straight down the line i i th and the reason why i'm interviewing you is that is an amazing amount of experience and decisions and life choices to make um at a relatively young age um not many people have that kind of clarity uh, not many people go, do you know what, this this is the chance. And, and, and you know, and this is where you popped up as part of a, a race for parliament, but being a 30-year-old, whatever, you know, whether it be, you know, I think if you'd have been a 30-year-old man or, you know, 
Um, what else is there? Woman, man, if you'd have been any kind of 30-year-old, you, you still would have been a 30-year-old in everybody's eyes. Um, but I don't think people realise you, you can be that kind of astute in your thought processes. Baz Faces, true all-stars. Rhea at school, what were you like at school? Oh, I was a complete goody two-shoes and a pleaser and a bit of a boffin. And it's what I, people would often say is a bit of a boffin. Um, I wasn't particularly hardworking academically, but I just always sort of did well. Mm. Um, but I, the thing with me is I get enthusiastic about everything. I love everything. So I was part of every club at school. I was in every play, did a lot of drama. Um, I would always volunteer for all the charity events that we do. Yeah. Um, friends with everyone, just liked everybody. Um, and yeah, I just think life is full of opportunities and it's always hard to make a decision of which thing which thing to do. And I think with the, the politics stuff, it, it had um, enough variety for me to go. There's all these different topics to, to get interested in um, and constantly meeting different people. But yeah, so at school I was, um, yeah, just a bit of an all-rounder. I would say. Okay. So you're a Caucasian lady. You grew up in a fairly Caucasian world. Let's put a pin in that. When I was weighing up whether I should ask to interview you through my friend, who is your sister, mm-hmm. I was looking for something to, to go, yeah, just do it. So I had a look on your fan page, which I guess is your political fan page. Fan page. Facebook. That's not a fan page. <laughs> well, People like it or subscribe to it. It's a fan page. Yeah. Yeah? We'll call it a fan page. <laughs> I like the word fan page. It's just like a news page, but although I haven't really Public maintained figure it page. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fan page. Public info page, but yeah. Public okay. info page, yeah. And um, I read your comments on Black Lives Matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say this. Thank you for the comments you wrote. It was the first time I read somebody's comments and I thought, you get it. You actually get it. You know, on social media, you wade through the, well, all lives matters. Police lives matters. It's like, yeah, but this is not what we're we're trying to say. Mm. Uh, What we're trying to do is look for some help Mm. to to other people who have default mattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to quote you because people go and find it themselves <laughs> yep. on the uh, rear fan page <laughs> <laughs> what an expression yeah um but yeah no thank you for expressing those the bit that stood out for me was that you said that you've constantly stood up for uh, you've you've constantly had an anti-bully stance which i totally get now mm. um and you've You've pointed, you've pulled people up for being racist or, or saying things that are anti-racist. Mm-hmm. So we go back to your upbringing. When yeah. did that make sense to you as a human being that everybody should be equal? No, that's a really good question, which I've thought a lot about because I don't understand why people don't think the same way I do. And I don't understand why the Black Lives Matter movement has been so controversial for so many people. Because you've literally got a part of a community 
um, that has said, oh, hey, guys, I don't know if you realize, but there's some really subtle things happening every day that you don't really see, but we experience and we mm. want to talk about it and we really would like it to stop. And we've tried to do it by doing petitions and motions in parliament and councils and it keeps getting voted down. So really, we do need to look at this. And, and everyone's just gone, whoa, whoa, whoa. All lives matter, you know, and it's like, I don't see how, I don't get why people can ignore those people. I, I just, I find it baffling. Um, but I don't see there's been, I don't think there's ever like anything that happened in my childhood growing up that has given me a particular sense of right and wrong, other than the fact that the people around me have been good people, like my parents, you know, my, my dad uh, was a special police constable for 21 years. Yeah. And growing up, he was absolutely my hero. Like he, he was just this good person who always did good things. And and I think because because he he always did things like that. Excuse me. Um, I think you know you, you kind of learn what you see, and also what what was interesting as well growing up. Um, so my mum and my dad um always had lots of different friends. So mm -hmm. friends from different backgrounds, different communities. Um, I remember um there was uh, various friends who were gay and gay couples, and and as a child. That was never, I didn't know what gay was. Yeah. It was just, oh, those two love each other. They're dad's friends. And and what was interesting is it was only when I got to university that I met the LGBT group and I realized that being gay was a controversial thing for many people. Yeah. Whereas it just been something I'd just always grown up around. So it was like, well, why wouldn't you treat everybody equally? And why wouldn't you love and respect each other? But anyway, so, so I don't think there's ever been a defining thing. I think it's just, I've just always been around people who were quite liberal and who were just decent and respect people for who yeah. they are yeah, yeah. and don't bully people and aren't nasty, you know? Um, but I think that, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, there's there's a lot more that needs to be done. And um, I've been working on a blog post for me to sort of do my follow-up from, from, my, from my last statement because... I went away and, and started to learn about um, about storytelling, storytelling, um, which has a, a focus on racism. So it's some some um, people in America are running this course, and, and my friends and I are on it. And, and every Monday we we take part in these stories and we share stories about things. And it was recognizing um, people's individual stories and um, and specifically looking at stories of race and how that has manifested itself. Um, across the world um and it really questions you it makes you think do i really stand up to racism do i really promote diversity i, I can do the obvious ones you know the mm. obvious occasions i want to have a taxi driver who was shouting some racially abusive things to a guy crossing the street and i had to go at the taxi driver stormed out the taxi phoned the company complained and did that you know i was like it's never acceptable i was late for the meeting I was heading to but I was like, I'm not sitting in the car with a racist um and I'm not going to sit quiet whilst he does that but then there's the other end where you've got colleagues who are being indirectly racist uh where they think they're helping somebody out and preventing them from experiencing racism um long story short they were just basically quite ignorant and rather than shouting at them just pulling them to one side and just say actually what you're doing you think you're being kind but what you're doing is treating them treating them badly because of their ethnicity mm. let's talk about that let's, you know there's those things but there's subtle everyday things that i don't see and i'm like do i stand up for, for people do i, I don't know i don't think i do all the time but i need to do more as we all do
Th that is an incredible thing, um, what you do. So thank you again. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks for having well, me on your podcast so we can talk about it. <laughs> well, you know, it just, and you know, I'm, it's, it's very easy to go, to go, you know, fully down that avenue. And uh, do you know what? I don't want to, uh, you know, I respect your comment. Um, I really wanted to hear what you, so uh, hear your thoughts on them. And I, and most of all, I actually just wanted to say thank you. So um, yeah, thank that's you. amazing. And yeah, you're right. There are, um, so from, from our perspective, there are, and I think the problem, here lies the problem. When you're black and you're British, there are, there's a thick skin you grow. So you kind of go, well, I can stand up and stand out and lash out and speak out. However, that might cost me my job. Or I can question and I can stand up and I can stand my ground, but that might get me arrested. Mm. So you kind of do this and 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 I and I did it and and um, I tell you the, the thing I used to do. Um, so for I was always bothered by my curly hair, so I straightened it, and um, I I started straightening it about ten years ago, and I just basically straighten and it would be sort of spiky. So I'd be almost ambiguous in my race. I'm a proud black man, um, but obviously I look slightly Asian and uh you know so I just thought you know what ambiguous hair people won't you know and then um the whole BLM explosion happened and I thought why am I straightening my hair like I'm literally taking the one thing that defines me and ironing it and then that unraveled in and and, and this is where I got my clarity I was like well actually Maybe I haven't stood up and maybe people are reacting because I haven't made an issue of it. Mm. And for every time people have jokingly said, oh, you must have nicked it or have mm. said, and it's like, you know, I went to university. I, I don't steal things. I, I'm not, I've, I've, I don't have a criminal record. Mm. Um, you know, what? No one ever accuses me of stealing things. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's not fun. a joke people make. Yeah, um, and then you know, and, and you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna juice it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but but um, my, and and this is me, you know, social media for me is, um, you have some of me that I choose to output. Mm. It's not all of me. Some of it is me practicing mark marketing. Um, I always uh, I do this thing with my wife where she puts something up, and I'll say something like really not offensive, but it'll be slightly kind of rude. We're giggling about it. Yeah. But obviously, because the outside world go, oh my gosh, are you two okay? It's like it's a. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know each other, so you two get it. Yeah, and it, it's like. Um, we, me and my wife don't acknowledge each other on social media because we live together. Ah, okay. Why would we, you know, yeah. why are we, and I've seen people, I've seen couples talk to each other on social media and it's like, aren't you in the same room? Um, so that's my take on social media. And yeah. um, it's, it's the, uh, 
Okay. You know, social media can be quite um, draining, I think. So those same people, if there's a gay pride uh, event or meme, that's it. Nobody ever says, hold on, straight lives matter. Yeah. Or, you know, trans. Or, I, I, I just yeah. feel like when people responded with all lives matter and then responded with the comments of, well, they this or they need to go home or go back to where they came from or they this. I'm like, you're proving exactly the point of the BLM mm. movement. And I think what a lot of people don't understand um, is uh, institutional racism or everyday racism is very similar to everyday sexism, but it's very subtle and it's usually, a, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, it's usually, you're oblivious to it unless you're on the receiving end. Yeah. And I think it's so subtle. It's like somebody coming up to you with a needle and poking you with it. One off with a needle. Go, oh, that's a little bit painful, but it's gone. I won't make a fuss about it because if I shout about it, people think that's an overreaction because you just pricked me with a needle just the once. If someone then pricks you with a needle again, okay, well, that, well that's a bit painful, you move on. If they keep doing that every day, well, the needle prick in itself is too small to really go to the police and say, I want, there's a crime being committed or I'm going to shout about it or complain to HR um, at work because it's so small. But when it happens every single day over time, it's enough to be a, system, a systemic, um, systematic assault on you. And I think that's, that's what people struggle with is that it's not completely obvious every time it happens. It's not like, and it's, I find the exact same thing happens with, uh, everyday sexism it'd be really subtle things maybe someone doesn't make eye contact somebody maybe dismisses an idea and you think were well, you doing it because I was a woman because I happen to be the only woman in the room or were you doing it because you just didn't like my idea and when it happens so once you can't kick up a fuss about it yeah. because people think you're overacting and you're an angry feminist also so, men, are, men are confused by boobs um yeah. you think about <laughs> the amount of times like there's boob references <laughs> boob jokes subtle you know and it's like and i'm guilty as sin for dinner um in my youth and then i thought no do you know what it was um i remember being when you're young you're a bit of a dickhead right and you kind of go yeah <laughs> that's a general rule yeah, yeah of course you are no. you think about when you were 20 yeah maybe yeah. not you maybe think of somebody somebody else when they were 20 okay. Okay, and then you kind of meet them again in their thirties or forties. You're like, okay, you you have kind of grown. And and my thing was, um, like, I would make jokes about everything. And I remember um, working with a girl in an estate agent, and um, she was quite busty. We'll say, is that right? I'm 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 okay to say busty. Yeah. You're my police This officer. is a safe space. It's yeah, fine. okay. We're okay. sharing stories, but being open. Okay. Um, and my mate came in to talk to me. And then basically, as he was leaving, said bye to me. <laughs> bye to my other colleague. And then bye to my other colleague's boobs. What? And I thought... And, it, and and this this was back in the early noughties, and I was like, "What the hell?" Like I I remember just feeling this instant shame, and I and I think 
I think from that point, I was like, do you know what? I never, ever going to reference boobs like that unless it's in context, uh, part of an agreed conversation. Um, you know, you can have the comedy boobs talk. It, I, I just thought, wow, what? what effect does that have on the person where somebody's just going, yeah, that's your physical attribute. I'm just going to bring that out into the, that's going to be my sole focus of my conversation. Like that must yeah, be. Yeah. And that's all you're worth. You're not a real person. You're just yeah. that. Um, yeah. So, and, and especially, and I did want to talk about sexism. Um, how much of that did you get? Not necessarily about boobs, just. Yeah. Um, so I, you know what, it was, a, it was a bit hit and miss. So there, there was the various things that happened and, I, and I've actually happened through, throughout all of my experience of, of standing mm. for an office of some kind of standing in, a, in an election, um, which I find really bizarre, especially if I'm standing against a guy who's the same age as me and yet I've got more experience and more academic and more academically qualified, you know, whatever. And and yet there's no question on that person's credentials, but there is online. I'm like, okay. I'm like, fine, just put me in a debate. I'll beat them that way then and prove the point, but whatever. Um, mm. But no, I found um, when I went up, the, up to the national level of an, of an election, um, there was less sort of overt comments. Um, what I actually found was um, I was more likely to just be in an unsafe situation. So... I had various people call and want me to come around to their house. And I had one chap who had a mental illness, uh, which I didn't know at the time. And, mm. and um, I'd missed his call and he left a voicemail. And his first voicemail said, oh, will you come around? I'd really like to talk to you about the manifesto. And then finished the voicemail. Got a second voicemail straight away. I was like, oh, next message. And he said, me again. Yeah, I've written you a song. And he started playing my piano with some song. You know, um, mm. But then it took a dark turn because in the third message, she was like, I've written you the song, um, another one. And also um, you can come around to my house. It is safe. I don't have any restraining orders anymore. I haven't hit her for many years. And it's like, cause clearly some other woman that he'd abused. And then a fourth message, no, please come around. It's safe, honestly. And it was just kind of like, oh, so I've given my number and you, you publish your address and stuff. You know, you, you're, a, you're a public person. You're here for people to meet and know you. And I'm like, well, how far does this person know me and where are they going to turn up? Because mm. that can happen. And, and thankfully, you know, I had a brilliant team and um, there were times you know, when we were going out on the doorstep and we were just speaking to people that invite you for a cup of tea. You can, you know, I trust my instinct so much more than I ever used to. Yeah. Um, and I, if I was ever doing um, a visit with someone who wanted to talk about a particular case or something, um, I would always bring one of the male um, volunteers with me um, yeah. because I didn't quite feel safe. And there were a couple of occasions where actually I didn't feel fully safe. Not that I thought people had malicious intent, but um, I thought I, I don't want to be here on my own. And yeah. uh, so I think that's just another dimension you have to consider being a woman in public life than you do as, uh, as a male. That's crazy. I think, uh, I don't know if you're into Dave Chappelle at all. Dave Chappelle is brilliant. Now, did, what in one of his stand-up specials, he was talking about, uh, he was a young comic, he did a gig, and um, he was paid in cash. So he had tens of thousands of dollars. Um, 
in, in a bag, which he then had to ride, I think, the subways of New York. And all of the while he was like, oh my gosh, people, what if people know? What if people attack me for this? What if people attack me for this? And he got home, nothing happened. Um, and he said, now imagine you're a woman and you've got female assets. That's exactly what it must feel like. Mm. Like, you, like you've got, <laughs> like, yeah. like, you, like you're just carrying around tens of thousands of pounds and yeah. you're wondering if people are going to try and burgle you. Oh, you know, I never thought of it like that. Because it is that feeling that you, you plan and prepare where you're going and I remember as well when um when I stood in in a lecture in uh, at uni some of the comments I got there about um my appearance and uh, there was a guy who stood in the election who um, was quite nice looking and part of his campaign was he basically stripped down to wearing nothing but a pair of speedos as not a do. single yeah not a single comment about that my campaign um, albeit it was, it was called rear of the year. That was the slogan we went for, <laughs> which was hilarious. But hold on, hold on, was... hold on. Let's put a pin in that. No, let's, we'll move, we'll move over from no, that. No, but no, no, no. Was... Because th that's genius on m many levels. Because I had to, I, I literally did a mental double back. I was like, rear of the year, isn't that? Oh no, you, you are rear. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I just well, to... also, yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah. So we like, I liked it because it. It rhymed, and I didn't realise also there was a thing about rear of the year until yeah. after we got everything printed. And I was like, so my campaign manager came up with it. And he was quite cheeky, but anyway, that's a side note. Because um, my actual campaign was wearing big orange Y fronts with with vote rear on the back, mm. so um, over your trousers, and wearing a big orange T-shirt over your jumper. So it was the least sexual campaign ever, and yet uh, there were people who had made comments about me using my assets to get votes and things like this. And uh, there was nothing, nothing provocative about anything I did. And I was really aware of that because I wanted to make sure I was being straight down the line. You couldn't criticize me for, for these things. I got criticized anyway, it didn't matter what I did. And yet a guy can strip down to his speedos and everyone's like, this is a great campaign. Yeah, I'll vote for that guy. Like, come on, you know. Um, I yeah. It's, um, wow such a different standard i mean maybe it's not like that it's crazy the now, see, but... see, there's i mean there's kind of um double-edged sword because it's like at what point is it fun where it turns into well actually this is just a total <laughs> misuse of <laughs> yeah. um you know power and trust and yeah and decency if you like yeah. um that that's that's incredible you, you've no. been through some shit <laughs> well you know what so i i've had it relatively easy but i um i i was ashamed for a while to say it but actually when um when i stood for one selection i got such a lot of abuse yeah about my appearance and i wore red um red stiletto heels once and the amount of comments i got uh, apparently only halls wear these and things like this and that's crazy I've never, that's like medieval I've never, i know i know um i wore a knee length skirt and apparently the men were distracted by my legs and i'm like knee length i'm like it's practically victorian but it was um what i thought was the problem was me and again this is probably part of the thing about you know we're saying about age um there was definitely a big learning curve for me as there is I think for everybody in life you never stop learning so you know I, I probably could have represented people pretty well but actually I hadn't developed my own personal 
resilience and my own solid sense of identity at that yeah. point. Um, so when people were making all these comments about me, I thought the problem was me. So I actively started putting on weight. I I stopped dyeing my hair with blonde highlights. I um I got a terrible haircut, um, and I wore really frumpy clothes because I thought don't show your figure because that's clearly a problem. You're not a feminist if you look like a woman. Um, it was it was like I sort in my head I sort of equated that to yeah. that because apparently uh, being a sort of a an hourglass shaped woman was a problem um and there Which was only when but i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i know isn't it? you're womanly shaped you therefore couldn't possibly like, support I women I and i just like like i get it like be skinny if that's what you want to do but what like, like yeah this, this, uh, like the dove commercial is my favorite commercial of all time um simply because it celebrates curves yeah and that that is um i don't think that's done enough in the media because it's so traditionally you have to be mm. stick thin you have to be this you have to be that and it's like do you know what people like is normal i say normal um people like people who 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 they can relate to yeah you're completely right yeah. and actually i i started following uh, different people on Instagram, people who were like the, what they call like real life models and were quite shapely, different lumps and bumps everywhere, plus plus size models. I love the definition of plus size model is basically it's like a size 12. <laughs> it's like, come on. Um, but it really, that I have noticed has changed how I view myself. Hmm. Um, because you, I think, I can't remember um, where I read it, but there's this whole idea that you you are the things that you think. So if you have ugly thoughts on the inside, you will naturally feel ugly and and not be great and you're sh you know you won't shine through and you'll feel bad about yourself whereas if you um if you think happy thoughts if you think confident things um and you really root for yourself internally in your internal monologue you will be more happy and more confident and and yeah i noticed that change um just from literally switching who i allowed uh, to be on my on my newsfeed, yeah. um, but no. When when I'd had that um, like that frumpy moment, it was um, another a woman in the party who had seen my campaign and all the things I was about, um, and had heard about how some some people had reacted and and stuff. And she contacted me, and she was just like, "I just think I kind of need to rescue you a little bit." And she she was just like, "Why are you dressing like a nana?" And I was like, "Oh," and and she was she's this gorgeous woman who who wears red lipstick and bright red coat. And she's like, yeah, I do this, this, this. And I'm like, oh, wow, you can absolutely own it and be beautiful and be sexy and be who, whatever you want to be, it's okay. Um, so she kind of took me under her wing a little bit and I got my confidence back, so I thought, that's mm. okay. So now if anyone tries to say stuff, that they won't get, won't well, get see, part I, I had this great DJ experience actually, where, um, so there's a song, I like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> You are, other brothers can't deny. When the girl walks in with the itty bitty waist. So you're familiar with it. Um, yep. Now, there was a while where it was just like, yeah, this is really, really, you know, it's a little bit kind of tacky, a little bit exploitative. And then I thought about it and it's literally at my last gig and I went, here's a song about body positivity and then played the first line. I like big butts and I, and I literally got the biggest chair. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, 
I, I don't get the skinny thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, people I, are crying out for reality, aren't they? They're crying yeah. out for reality. Um, and yet people and, keep chucking other stuff at us. Like, uh, like it's like the phrase, oh, I look fat. It's, you don't, you just look like, so what? Like, what? what is it? Like, sure, if you need to tend to your cholesterol level, maybe sort it out. But beautiful is beautiful. Mm. You know, I, I know we briefly sort of touched upon it when we first started um, chatting, but, mm. you know, I, I make jokes about things going, oh, you know, I might want to try and look like more flattering in this, but um, my, my view on my body has changed over the years and I now view it in terms of healthiness or not healthiness. So me getting in shape now, me watching what I'm eating generally is about me trying to have a healthier lifestyle so yeah. that I live longer and live more healthily for a longer life. Um, as opposed to I want to fit in a certain pair of jeans and look a certain way because actually mm. I quite like being happy I like being comfortable and also I like my food as long as yeah. I like my, my cholesterol is low my, my blood sugar is good level it's, you know I'm okay good but yeah that's the way to be <laughs> Baz faces true all-stars Ria, what does the future hold? What are your next steps? Because you said you're thinking about maybe running again. Um, yeah. You work, what, what industry do you work in? I work, work in the automotive industry. Okay. I work in the legal team and I'm a compliance manager. So I sound very geeky and very boring. So I look, I look at regulatory and legal compliance. I'm, I'm um, not gonna lie, I've struggled to keep up with your intellect. <laughs> That's what I get, thanks. Thanks. Like um, I'm masking it. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, I said a phrase earlier where I said describing word, and I was like, maybe is that verb, adjective? <laughs> adjective. And literally, my brain was going, no, it's not that. And I thought, take a chance. No, it will just be that. So I just, just sort of spoke in Crayola language. I hope, how am I, am I okay? Uh, I'm uh, you know, I feel like you're putting yourself down. <laughs> and plus, I can't keep up with your wit because you're very quick-witted and you have to be smart to be quick-witted. You've, you've, you've literally painted the walls with me. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not, at no, not at all. So, so what, um, what's next? Oh, yeah. So um, I need to finish my master's. I need to finish that. Um, and then... What I'd like to do is I'd like to become more active again locally, find a seat um, and then run for parliament. It's just a question of where and when, that's mm. the thing. So yeah, I'm ticking things off my bucket list at the moment and um, yeah, I'd need to get the studying um, out of the way. And then, but to be honest, I mean, who knows? Cause like, there's, I used to volunteer a lot at, um, various charities just be a charity trustee and um i was a, a mentor for a while i'm just about to start that back up again with with um graduates from birmingham uni actually yeah which is great like just to help ease the path for others you know share some of your experiences and go hey don't worry it's really easy go this way mm. um but um oh yeah i might look for um a charity to get involved with and maybe become like a governance trustee for them because I just think, you know what, there's so many wonderful organisations and, you know, people like you, me, others, we've all got experience in things. You know, you could absolutely um, share your knowledge and experience in communication 
charities would love somebody like that who could just I go do. this is how you do it i work with I, I work with um i'm part of a fundraising team called football versus cancer and ah. we funds for um currently we're working with um, a charity called anna's hope which um sort of try and help people uh, kids with brain tumors um right. and i think last year we wrote we raised rose we raised uh i think nearly 20 grand wow it was, it was in that ballpark figure uh, so basically we put on a i say we um what we do is we have a celebrities versus civilians football match <laughs> civilians that's brilliant celebrities uh, versus the common folk <laughs> my my main focus is i help them out with media so i go and i interview uh some of the well-known faces um i interview some of the crowd um i make these kind of videos for the social media i designed the logo which is really weird because um you see all these players with the logo on their football yeah. shirt and it's like i designed that that's mine i did this yeah like, that's mine it's like your fan club no, so wearing no, your label is like yeah people still look at me funny and it's like, <laughs> is i remember that just staring at them looking at the label and you're like i was i had um there was a at the last one we did um there was like a, a former england international defender really really iconic guy des walker uh -huh. um and i was trying to get i was trying to interview him pitch side because uh, it's like rolling on so they'd play for a bit and then come off for a bit and i was like look um, I'm doing these interviews, uh, it just generates marketing material for next year. Uh, and he was kind of giving me grief a little bit because I was bugging him during the match. And I, I wanted to say, listen, you're wearing my logo. You will do as you're told. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I interviewed him and my legs were shaking. You know, I feel like it was probably good you didn't take that approach. No. Oh, no, yeah really tired on the day as well <laughs> you like grouchy and angry just answer my questions i wasn't i just i remember having an argument with somebody that was in britain's got talent um and it was it, it was because it was like the third time i'd interviewed him and and this is not being me being a snob i respect him for going for it i, I remember that night i gave a pep talk to a dude called the magic mod um and um he, he'd had a documentary done on him uh, by channel four so he's like a street musician but he's like oh i'm a bit of a geezer and uh, he fuses like rock and roll and mod culture into his is really really awesome he's actually going to be the next podcast i release and he's oh, just been awesome. on he's just been on mtv and um i didn't get to interview him i was like dude i'm really sorry i didn't get to i didn't really have my stuff together um and we were just chatting and i just because I, I think i just have a natural mentoring um i put people under my wing and and your sister will tell you that i, I do i'm like gone let me help you fly yeah um and i was like you know don't change a thing don't you know don't pay attention to people who are trying to change you because what's going to happen is you'll pander to the masses and then somebody who's doing your act five years later will become this big thing that you could have been had you not have and he was like mate and, and then i gave him a critique on his set and i said this is what he did and this is what i loved about it and da, da, da. And he was like mate and we've been mates ever since just because of that oh. but that's because i was really tired 
let's just crack on. You know what? It makes a difference though when people would actually truly pay attention and, and give constructive criticism. I think you know where. Well, I think there's two things. One is having people around you who, who can give you that feedback, yeah. who genuinely want to see you do well, and secondly, being someone who's open to receiving it. That's great that you do stuff in charity um, because the whole point is for all of us, I think, to use our skills and experiences and whatever they may be, and apply them in the community. Like do something positive with it. Because people are crying out to learn from other people's experiences and skills. So I think I'll find something that I can do along that line. Don't know what that'll be or where that'll be. Um, but yeah, once I finish one thing, it'll be straight on to the next. I think the title of this podcast is going to be Baz Faces, True All-Stars, Rear the Natural Campaigner. Oh, thanks. Because this is all you've done from birth is campaign yeah i don't really see it as like i've been campaigning just been doing stuff really you've you've been campaigning (laughs) but you've also you've also uh been trying to push a universally accepted right agenda where it's not propaganda it's not Mm. you should be this way it's a case of let's be fair Mm. so you push fairness which is an awesome thing. Um, I'm really sorry that before when you ran, nobody saw that. Not enough people saw that. And I hope if one day you do run again, people will see that and see that you make sense. Yeah. Thank you. I hope that that you, I hope that you get, so, you know, I'm talking like, you know, rear on the cabinet because I have some parking tickets that, (laughs) I need you to, you know, I'm counting yeah. on you. I, yeah. I need you to be my corrupt. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm about. I'm a kind of in it just for the favours and the... Like, you take bribes. I mean, <laughs> not on record, but I'm just saying if you happen to leave a wad of cash on my doorstep and yeah. I just happen to trip up it, oh, it's falling in my handbag, you know. I think in my case, it will be a wad of IOUs. <laughs> yeah. Ria, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I wish you all the very best of luck in the future. Keep on campaigning. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Had a lot of fun. Baz Faces, true all-stars.